Hi, it's Andy Jewell here. Uh, welcome to Agent Insider. Today, we're going to talk with my guest, Gerald. We're uh, talking about life insurance. Gerald, thanks for being on the show today with me. Appreciate you taking some time to chat with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. Can I say again? Yeah, you can say again. Again. Yeah, I think people probably recognize you. Yeah, I'm perfect. So, um, so you had some questions. We were chatting about life insurance earlier today, and we're going to have a guest on our next episode to talk a little bit more on a personal level about life insurance. But you had some questions more on the technical level on life insurance. So why don't we just dive into some some questions that you were uh, you'd been thinking about, and uh, we can kind of unpack those. Yeah, no, I for sure. So I think if if the first initial question usually with life insurance is after they kind of go, I'm I'm going to get something is how much, and. We we talk about this often, but interested in you, you usually have a, a great way to put it. But like someone decided I want life insurance. How much is too much or what is the right amount? How should people go about? Yeah. How much life insurance should you have yeah. to cover you? And it's not a one size fits all. I think that's one of the dangers. And a lot of people, um, a lot of people that are out there that are talking about life insurance are talking about very specific scenarios and then they just kind of paint it with a broad brush and say this is what everybody should have so they'll say everyone should have you know a 20-year or 30-year term policy and everyone should have a half a million or a million dollars maybe that's right maybe it's not um there's a lot of products and there's a lot of options and that's for a reason because no two people's situation is identical they can be similar and then maybe they do need similar products mm -hmm. but I think it's important to look at each situation on an individual level because if something happened to you, it's going to impact your family slightly different than if something happened to me. And that's really what we're doing. I think that's the first thing you have to recognize with life insurance. It's never going to make it okay that somebody died. Right. It doesn't bring them back. It's not going to make you feel better that they're gone. At least it shouldn't make you feel better that they're gone, right? Like it's emotionally, it's still going to wreck you. So the question is, what is the financial impact? So it's a long-winded answer, but really that's what we're looking at. So how much life insurance you need depends because we want to look at what the financial impact to you passing away would be. So if there's anybody who depends on you financially, you need life insurance. If you were contributing to the household financially, you need life insurance. The amount of life insurance is going to be based on, there's two different ways you can kind of figure it. I'm sure there's a million different ways, but two different ways that I talk with people about how you should think about how much coverage you should have. Um, one is going to be you're going to uh, use a, a list. You want to go through your debts that you want to have paid off. You're going to want to look at how much income you make and how long you want to replace that income for. And then you can use a, a formula like a what if calculator on the Internet. It's really easy to find because then you can say, hey, if I want to have, you know, $100,000 a year or I want to have $70,000 a year replaced for 10 years, and I'm going to earn 7% interest. You can put those variables into that what-if calculator. And then it will, uh, it, will, it will automatically calculate how much money you need in that bucket in order to generate that income. Mm -hmm. And so, that, so that you want to look at your debt, your income. Mortgage is the other one that's important to look at. Hey, if I want to pay my mortgage off, if I have a mortgage, how much is that going to be? And then education. So if you have kids uh, that you want to make sure that they go to school, where do you want them to go to school? How much is that tuition? How many kids do you have? And you put that number in there. So you can look at it. You see why if you do it 
if you calculate it that way, it's not going to be the same number for everybody. The other way that you can calculate that would be maybe a quicker, easier way if somebody is like, hey, I just want a quick and dirty way to figure out how much life insurance I should have is 10 times your annual income mm. is the other way you can look at that. So if you're making 60000 a year times 10, that would be 600000 of life insurance that you should carry. Yeah. No, that's good. That's a good way. The second way for me seems simpler and maybe that's where you tackle it first. Yeah, I think you know, I think that gives you that that's a really quick easy way to get you in the ballpark, right? Um so if you go, "Hey, I'm I'm making 60, I want to go 10 times that, making 600,000. If I have a bucket of 600,000, um even if you didn't, it's going to put a lot of breathing room there for your family, right? Cuz even if you didn't invest it and just put it in you know, a checking account and earn zero interest on it, you know that they're going to be taken care of for 10 years. But really, they're not going to do that, right? They're going to put it into some sort of, uh, you know, at least a money market or some sort of conservative investment portfolio where they should be able to earn five to 6% on that money. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's going to help stretch that out longer. So it's a good starting point. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. What about, so, so I guess here's the other question I'm thinking of like those that will be listening and kind of talking about like, okay, how much money, my next question I guess would be, when, when should I get life insurance? Should I wait until I have debt to then cover these expenses? Like, okay, now I have a house mortgage. I have kids that I want to invest into in case I were to pass away. Uh, when is a good time to start thinking about life insurance? Ultimately, it's whenever somebody depends on you financially. So as soon as you realize if my passing is going to negatively impact somebody else financially, you should have life insurance. Yeah. Um, and, and the basic death benefit of a life insurance policy is the most selfless thing that you do because you're not going to be the recipient of it, right? And I've had people tell me that they didn't, they didn't buy it because they were like, well, I'm never going to use it. I'm going to be dead. I don't need to make you know, my wife's new boyfriend, Rich. I'm like, wow, that's, you know, really cold. It's right. like, why are you guys together? Um, but uh, if, if so, so you're not going to benefit from that, which we should talk about that separately would be because there are some life insurance policies that you do benefit from uh, even if you don't die. And so, so there's some options there, but on a, on a straight term policy, uh, the only benefit that you're really going to get from it is if, if you passed away, you're going to take care of the people who are financially dependent on you. So I would say if the time to get life insurance is as soon as your passing would financially impact somebody. Yeah. Yeah. That's so some of us then until we're married. Yeah. If you're married and have kids, if you're gainfully employed, yeah. you absolutely need life insurance. If you're married and have kids and you're the homemaker, mm. you need life insurance. So I'll tell you this story. When the, when we got life insurance for the first time, it was before I was in the insurance industry. Uh, we were newly, we were a young married couple and uh, we had one, we were just had our first child. And so we went and met with a life insurance agent and I made a mistake. It was a rookie mistake. And that I was like, well, we need life insurance on me, obviously, because I'm, I'm the, the main breadwinner, bread right? Like, but, but I was like, we don't need life insurance on my wife because what does she do? She's, she's just not doing anything. She did nothing. She just stays at home all day, right? Um, and and like, I'm sure people watching are like cringing as I say that. It was a very dumb mistake on my part. I admit that. And I recognize that as soon as I said it, right? And the, the guy that was sitting there was just shaking his head. 
He heard it come out. He heard it. He's like, dumb rookie mistake. You haven't been married long, have you? <laughs> so he, but, but it was a good experience in the fact that my wife was like, well, and, and she was very gracious. She, she didn't get upset. She just asked the question. She's like, well, what would it, how would it impact you and what you're doing if I wasn't here? Mm. And I was like, hmm, that's an interesting thought, right? Like, cause I was, I'm just thinking about the money. Like she wasn't earning income at the moment. But then if she wasn't there, she wasn't taking care of our child. If she wasn't, you know, taking care of the house, what would that impact me? Like, is that going to change how much I work? Or am I going to be hiring somebody to take care of the kid or help out with the, the house, you know, because maybe I might need a, need a house cleaner or whatever, right? Like, right. you start to look at that and just... And the, the agent was really funny. He's like, well, let's add up. How much would it cost you? And he said, like, adds <laughs> yes. up, like, how much it pays for, you know, housekeeping and, and uh, yes. child care and all that stuff. And he's like, man, she makes more money than you. <laughs> so her, yeah, the the expense of hiring someone to do what a, what a wife would do at home right. is really expensive. It is. It's actually like there was videos going around, right, social media and all that, like the cost of being a stay-at-home mom and like being a house cleaner, being a daycare, being, you know, a chef, yep. all these things, you realize, okay, okay. Yeah, she makes more money than me. <laughs> You're right. And she doesn't make any money. How's that, how's that work? Right. Um, but yeah, that is. So I, so I would say like, for sure, if you're, if you're the income provider, you got to have life insurance. But realistically, if you're in a relationship with somebody and they're the homemaker, right? there is a financial impact that you don't, you don't necessarily see yeah. if they were gone. Yeah. And that's a good point. You're, you said like, you, you, we sometimes think about the money that would be absent, but realistically in that sense, the body, the person that would be absent then to replace that, to right. the, put your child into daycare now. Yep. Or if you wanted to be like, if you, on the flip side, like, and I've talked to some people, they're like, well, I don't want to put my kid in daycare just because their mom passed away and, and now I'm going to put them in daycare to boot. I'm like, okay, well then you actually have to replace your income regardless of which one of you passes away. Right. Yeah. That's a good way to think about it. And, and I think sometimes we, we forget that aspect on the, on the spouse that isn't working. Yep. Um, so that's really good. So you, you mentioned this earlier and I'm sure you can go in depth in depth with this in, in a bunch of videos, but there's some, there's different types of life insurance. Um, oftentimes people think life insurance is a waste of money mm -hmm. because you're paying all these premiums for 10 years, 20 years, and then out of nowhere it can cancel. You stop paying it. There's no money back. And people are like, life insurance is a scam. Right. Or there's, there's stories where people are paying like a lot of money into what they thought was this hold this account. Um, and then for one reason they stop paying or it's not maybe making the money they thought they were making. So there's a lot of different. So as best as you can inside of this video of just kind of introducing life insurance. Yeah. So I'll try to be succinct. This is, I mean, there's probably videos you could watch that are an hour long with people droning on about the difference in life insurance. So I'll try to make it uh, clear and concise. Mm -hmm. There's, there's two, I tell people there's two basic types of life insurance. There's a term policy and then there's whole life. So when you're looking at what life insurance you want to have, first you have to answer that fork in the road. Uh, term insurance is less expensive. You're going to lock in your rate for a specified period of time. 
So you'll do like a, usually like a 10, 20, 30 year term um, during that period of time. So if you buy that policy, it's, you know, 500,000, 600,000 of coverage, the premium will stay the same for that whole term. So you're locking it in for 20 years. So term insurance works really good when you're meeting a need that has an end date. So for instance, if you're working, you're like, hey, I want to replace my income. Well, if you know, if you're 40 years old, you know, planning on retire at 65, we have 25 years to replace income. You, you have a, an end date of the need. So term insurance works really well for that because it's the least expensive option. The only way it pays out is if you, if you pass away, right? So it's, it's less of a risk to the company. They know a specified period of time that they're covering you for. And so they lock you in for that period of time. The, the other insurance that kind of is in the term vein that I, I like to just touch on briefly because it's really cheap insurance. And this is an insurance I personally dislike the most, and it's uh, accidental death policies. Mm. And, and the reason why I think these ones are the biggest ripoffs is they're very specific about how they'll pay out. So you, you would think if you got hit by a car, that would be an accident, and the accidental death policy would pay out. But not necessarily, because if you get hit by a car and then you go to the hospital and you live in the hospital for too long before you passed away, it won't pay out. So interesting. So I kind of tell people like, and this is an exaggeration, but I tell people like, if you think about an accidental death policy, it's the type of life insurance that pays out if you die on a train headed to Shanghai on the first full moon of an even year of the of the the year of the monkey like that's when it'll pay out if any of those things affect right anything else it won't cover you so it's yeah it's very specific about when it'll cover you and and if you don't hit all of those those notes or if one thing is out of sync they deny the claim right and so those people get very frustrated and i and i've never sold an accidental death policy and the reason why is i tell people is that i'm not going to be that guy who you tell me your husband got hit by a car and he's in the hospital, you know, maybe on life support. And I'm going to come and tell you like, hey, you got to pull the plug today because tomorrow we're not going to pay. Right. Uh, that's just, that to me is like, that's, that's cold and that's heartbreaking. So I, I've never sold one and I ne probably never will. I'm sure there's a scenario where it might make sense for people to buy it. It is very cheap, but I just figure if you want life insurance, if you're really trying to protect yourself, you should buy real life insurance that's going to pay out regardless of the circumstances. So, so that just a side note on the accidental death policy. So term insurance locks you in, specified period of time, specified rates, and you don't have to worry about it, but you don't get money back. There are some policies that have like return of premium riders, but you're paying extra in order to get premium back. Uh, but typically term, you should be thinking about, I'm going to cover, it. it's kind of like your car insurance or your home insurance. I'm paying into it in case something happens during this period of time. Yes. So term, you would say like the, the only, the major benefit is if I pass away, whoever I'm leaving behind is going to get taken care of. Right. Like that's really what. That's the biggest part of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's some writers, like there's two writers that are, are important to talk about, which you could add to either a term policy or a whole life policy. Uh, and these two writers are critical illness and accelerated benefit writer uh, for terminal illness. And, and those two writers are, are important to think about. The, the, the terminal illness writer 
is basically what it says is if you are diagnosed with a terminal illness not expected to live more than 24 months, you can collect, collect up to half the policy before you pass away. So that came out of a lot of insurance companies, not all companies, but a lot of them started adding that as an option. The ones that I use, the companies I represent, don't charge anything even to add that option on. Yeah. And the reason why is because there's a lot of predatory companies that if you were diagnosed with terminal cancer or AIDS or something like that, where they go, hey, you, we, you're not going to live very long with this illness, they would be like, well, I don't want to work and spend my last, you know, six months or 12 months working. I want to spend that with my family. Right. And so they would sell their life insurance policies to a company and they were getting pennies on the dollar. So it's very predatory. And so as a response, the insurance companies are like, this is wrong. Wow. Like it, it, the insurance companies even recognize like this isn't working. It's this is, yeah, this isn't helping our customers. This is helping some, you know, greedy corporation make money off of people who are terminally ill. And so they added those riders on there. So that way it's your control. You can cash out the policy. Uh, you get half of it up front and then you get the rest of the other half pays out when you pass away. Right. Uh, so it's, 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 that's an important one. I put that on every policy I sell. Cause like I said, it, the, the companies I use don't even charge a premium for that. The other one is critical illness. This one they do charge premiums for, and it's kind of like a disability writer. If you want to think about it that way, basically it says if you're, uh, become critically ill and you cannot take care of yourself, then they will pay out a benefit to you. So like, if you can't, yeah, usually it's like two out of like six or eight different things. So like if you can't uh, bathe yourself or transfer or feed yourself um, or uh, clothe yourself and you need help doing a lot of that stuff, then, then you can cash out this benefit, which is, by the way, side note on life insurance, it's all tax free, which is huge when you think about it. Uh, you can, you can pass on money to your family or, or your, your, uh, heirs without taxes at all. And the same thing on these writers, there's no tax on them. There's no income tax. So you can, you can crash, cash out this critical illness writer to take care of you while you were critically ill. So you may not be dying. Right. You just, I need help and I need someone to help take care of me. Uh, maybe my spouse can't work anymore or I can't work anymore. And so then that helps offset some of that income. So those are just kind of side notes, a couple of writers that I think are super important. Um, the, the second type of insurance, whole life insurance, there's a lot of different variations. You have universal life, uh, index universal life, variable universal life. And I don't want to necessarily go down the rabbit hole on each one of those today because I think we would need to spend probably another half hour to 45 minutes talking on about each. the difference. Yeah, on each one of them. But I will say a lot of um, people that are out there, the respected people, and I, and I think they have some good advice. I'm not, I won't name names, but they, they'll say things like buy term, invest the rest. And uh, they're very anti uh, whole life policies. And I used to be that way when I started. I would, I would argue with company reps. I'm like, this is a ripoff. I'm not going to put my customers in whole life policies because you're paying so much more. And I would see customers who had been put in whole life policies back in the 80s and early 90s that it didn't work out the way that they thought it was going to work out. Right. And what I realized is over time, I realized the reason why it didn't work out the way they thought it was going to work out because it was 
explained wrong because people were greedy for a commission. So they were overselling the product. Right. And there, the product has a place. It, you can, I mean, it's really cool. There's a book called The Power of Zero, which it talks about how you can use cash value life insurance to generate tax-free income in your retirement years. And it's, and it's legitimate. It works. Now, you have to be able to financially put the money into that policy and properly fund it so that way it'll work the way that you want it to work. And a lot, not, not a lot of people have the extra cash to put into it. Right. And so if you can't fund a, a whole life policy fully and properly, so if you, like you, you could be a, in your 30s, somebody like just as a quick example, someone in their 30s with a whole life policy to properly fund it is going to need to spend close to $500 a month to properly fund a $500,000 policy. Now you can buy a term policy for 500,000 for probably 20, 30 bucks a month. So the price difference is huge. The advantage is in the long run, you're going to be able to get your money back out of that whole life policy plus some, right? Because it's, it's acting like almost like a Roth IRA. The investments inside of that policy grow way more than what you paid into it. So there's a, there's a time and a place for whole life policies. And, and one of the advantages of them uh, we'll put this part in here too, is one of the advantages of the life, whole life insurance policies is if it's something that you're going to need long-term. So if it's something like, hey, I don't know if I want to die in 10 years, 30 years, or 60 years, but whenever I pass, I want to have a policy in place to leave something to my family. Mm -hmm. A whole life policy properly funded would make sense at that point uh, because life insurance gets more expensive the older you get. Yeah. So um, I've I had a couple of, I've had probably a half a dozen cases here in the last few months uh, where we've actually moved people from term policies and we converted them to whole life policies, which has been really cool because we were able to do that without having them to have to go through new medicals or anything. And they had health issues. And then we were able to lock in their rates for them into a whole life policy where their term policies were going to continue to get more expensive because they were outside of their term. And so after that 20 years, it goes up rapidly. Right. And so they didn't qualify for a new policy. We were able to roll them into a whole life. So I guess I say all of that and hopefully, does, does that make sense or is that confusing? No, I, I, I see what you're saying in regards to like the whole life policies. And you had mentioned a couple different names in that, that ultimately they, you, you can use them more as an advantage of not only life insurance, but ultimately some sort of investment that pays back at the same time that, that, that has the life insurance benefit on there. Um, and then there's the term life that is primarily just for death benefit, um, kind of limited on what it prefers. But you, you mentioned the price difference, right? In order for the whole life policies to be beneficial, there is some calculation that needs to be done. You need to realize what, are, what am I trying to achieve with it and how do I achieve that in regards to how much money I need to put in. Um, and, and the other one is just a straight, here's for the next 20 years, 30 years, this is all I'm paying and all it's going to do is in case I pass away. Um, yep. And I was going to ask you about that advantage of like, okay, what if I'm 20, 25 and I don't have the finances for a whole life, but I love the benefit idea of it. I was going to ask, could I do a term life or could I do something in the, in the meantime? But you, you kind of mentioned it there. Some companies then do allow you to transfer uh, a simple 
into or a term policy into a whole life. Would that, do those conversions allow me to be more an investor at that aspect? They do, yeah. Um, so I think that's a great question you should ask. If you're buying a term policy, the, the question that I would ask to make sure to ask would be, is this term policy renewable mm-hmm. and is it convertible? Mm. Because if the term policy is not renewable, when that time frame is up, that 10 years, 20 years is up, then it's just gone. It's over. Thanks for paying for the last 20 years. Right. See you later. That's where some people get mad. Right. With because, the simple, when you don't right. realize there's nothing beyond this point. Right. And it's like the policy ended. And you're like, and maybe you've developed an illness. Yeah. So now you can't go get another policy, but the policy you had just cut off. So I would not recommend buying a term policy, no matter how cheap it is, if it's not renewable and not convertible. Um, so because renewable might just say, so I had a customer, unfortunately, has terminal brain cancer, and he's got less than a year to live. And he had a term policy and the term came up. And we were talking with his family because it was getting more expensive because it is renewable with with the company, but um, it was it was getting a lot more expensive. I said, well, the advantage is even though it's more expensive, you can keep the policy. It's going to pay out when he passes away. So, you know, talk with your family, figure out who's going to pay it and how it's going to get paid. Keep the policy in force. Don't let it lapse. There's no medical requirements. It's just automatically renewing. Right. So that's important to have that renewable option. And then the second is convertible. So you always want to make sure your term policy is renewable and convertible because if you're 20, 25, 30 years old and you buy that term policy and in 10 years from now you go, wow, I actually maybe I got a raise at work and and I'm maxing out what I'm investing into my 401k or my IRAs and I want to put more money aside into an account that's going to have some tax-free benefit to me later, Mm -hmm. that whole life insurance is a great way to do it. And if if it's not convertible, if you have any health issues, you're again, you're going to be limited on whether or not you qualify. Right. So when you buy it when you're young, and then later when you're a little bit older and you have more income, you can convert it and you get that benefit of the, the health uh, rating that you had when you were 20 years old, mm-hmm. um, which I was in better health at 20 than I am today. <laughs> Right. I think most of us. Most of us. I guess there's a few weirdos out there that I shouldn't say that. A few uh, prodigies, I don't know, that might be get into better shape as they get older. But most of us, um, uh, our our health deteriorates over time. So (laughs) you you get older, you can you make more money, you can afford more money to to put it into an investment plan. But you you. Health, your health is worse. So now if you had that term policy, you can convert over to a whole life. Right. No, that's good. Two, two thoughts that I had as you're talking is then kind of some other questions in life insurance that often comes up or, or conversations that arise is one, can I have more than one life policy? Like if I got one when I was 20, now I'm 30, do I have to redo that one or can I add to it? And then the other question was that kind of comes up in conversations is, well, I already have one through work. And, and just to kind of wrap it up, what, do you, what would you say to, to both of those there? Yeah. Uh, so both of those questions are great questions. Can you have more than one? Yes. The insurance companies are going to underwrite you based on your income, your assets, and the total amount of insurance that you're buying. Mm-hmm. What, what the life insurance companies don't want to do is they don't want to put 
price on your head, right? So we're not going to put a $5 million policy on someone who's making 50 grand a year and has no assets, right? Right. Uh, so you can't get around, you couldn't get around that by then saying, well, I'm going to buy a million dollar policy here and a $500,000 policy there and a 250 over there. Like the insurance companies are going to look at what is your total amount of insurance that you have on you yourself currently? Yeah. And then does it make sense that you're adding more? Right. And they're pretty generous with what they look at, but like I said, they're not going to put a mark on you and go like this guy, you know, is going to make his, his wife rich. Um, so, so. But that, if I was 20 year old making, you know, 50,000, 60,000, and now I'm 30 making 100,000. And I realize I need more. I could then add to it then. Right. You can just add another yeah. policy. Yeah. So yeah, you can have multiple policies as long as your aggregate of policies is within the guidelines of how much insurance you maximum you could have on yourself. And that amount is going to change based on your age because mm-hmm. it's a multiplier of your income based on your age and then also based on your net worth. So they're going to look at all those things and go, okay, is this making sense? Uh, this, the second question was having life insurance through work. Oh, so that's, that's right. Thank you. That's usually the one that's like, oh, you know, I don't need it now. Especially some of us younger, naive folks <laughs> who are like, I'm good. I don't need it. My work actually gives me it or whatnot. Yep. What do we, what do we say to that? What would you? So I always tell people, if you get it through work, great. Take as much as you can because it usually is pretty inexpensive. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of things to think about. If one, if you're not paying for it at work, then it's going to cap out your benefit at like $50,000. That's the most they can give you with, without you paying for it. So if you're not paying for it and you're like, I don't know how much I have, you have 50000 as yep. the most. It could be less. You could be like 10000 but the most you would have is be fifty. And then the second part is if you are paying for it, you're like, well, okay, well, I actually have, you know, two hundred fifty or 500000 through work. I always tell people still like buy it because it's usually pretty inexpensive because it's being bought as a group plan. However, you do have to be aware that you don't control the policy then. Mm. So often if, if the employer says, hey, we're paying that first 50,000, you're paying the next, you know, 300,000 or whatever. If we're going to cut costs, that might be an area where they go, hey, we're just going to cut it. So the question you have to ask to know whether or not you actually control the policy is if it's, is it portable? Mm. And that means that if you leave that job or your employer stops offering that benefit, can you port it to your own personal policy? Right. And if it's not portable, still buy it because it's cheap, but don't really factor that into your, your financial planning. Don't plan on that, that policy being there to take care of you. Like, just be like, hey, that's a bonus. That's a bonus, yeah. Right, because you don't control it. Mm. And as a matter of fact, what's interesting is when we ask in the life insurance application, remember I was telling you, like, they look at what your total amount of insurance that you have on yourself is. Yep. When they when we ask about that, it excludes group plans. Oh, interesting. Because they just, the, the insurance they recognize it might not be there tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the insurance companies even know, like, hey, that's a nice bonus. Interesting. But it's not really... It's not yours. It's not yours, yeah. So, um, and then if it's, the other issue that I tell people to think about is when we talk about term policies, we're talking about 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years terms where you're locking that rate in for a long period of time. Typically, group plans are going to be annual renewable terms. So every year your your premium is going to change based on your age, based on what the company is charging 
next year. Right. So you, you're not locking it in. Right. Now that's good. So I think those are some things that you should think about. Again, take it, take as much of it as you can, because it's usually cheap mm -hmm. and it's a good benefit, but don't plan on it. Still figure out what you're, you should do, right? Either the 10 times your annual income or figuring out your debt, your income, your mortgage costs, and then education. And, and if you want to do long form and then say, okay, this is how much I need. It's 500,000, a million, 1.5 million, whatever it is. And then uh, plan that part yourself. Right. That way you can control it. It's not dependent on what your boss decides. And then anything you're, that you can get through the company, just take as a bonus. Yeah, that's good. So it's good information. We're going to have to do another one because time got away from us quick. Uh, I, I told my wife, like, I get excited sometimes. I was reading something in one of the insurance policies and I was like, man, this was so exciting. I like read this part here. And she's like, you are broken inside. Like, there's something wrong with you. You get excited about insurance. But I do like start geeking out about life insurance. And like all of a sudden a half hour flies you by. You have a lot to say. Yeah. It's there's like, a lot of moving pieces. There are. Yeah. There's a ton. So it's important. To, I, I would say, I guess it's by parting, I'd say this. That's, that's why it's really important to make sure you talk to somebody who's knowledgeable and that you trust. That's not just trying to make a sale, but actually cares about you and your family. Yeah. And, and your best interest, because there are so many moving parts. Be educated yourself. I would take time. I would say take time, right? Watch these sort of podcasts and, and make sure that you understand the basics, because otherwise you you don't know whether somebody is is trying to give you the best advice or trying to make the biggest commission, right? Right. So take some time and educate yourself, but then find somebody that you trust to work with. And if you're if you're educated, as you start to work with them, you'll know whether or not there's somebody you can trust. Yeah. That's good. So, all right. Well, thanks for joining us today. We're going to have to do another one on whole life insurance policies uh, here in a couple of weeks. So that way we can dive into those a little bit more and, and explain that. But if you guys have specific questions, you can email me at theagentinsider at gmail.com. So that's theagentinsider at gmail.com. And we'll be happy to answer your questions. Thanks for joining us. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Gerald, for, Gerald, for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. All That's right. good.